0: Welcome inside the Hill City Highlights podcast, a podcast about the people of Lynchburg for the people of Lynchburg. Now, here's your host, Alan York. Welcome back inside another edition of our Hill City Highlights podcast. And today we're going to catch up with local real estate agent, Jason Porter, also uh, does some uh, Liberty Broadcasting and uh, just an overall good guy. Uh, JP, good to have you on the broadcast here this week. Thanks for taking time. Uh, first off, let's just talk about your your upbringing, uh, kind of where you're from, and uh, we'll migrate uh, here to Liberty at some point in the conversation. But uh, give us an idea of growing up, uh, where you're from, and uh, from there we'll uh, Take it away.
1: Yeah, uh, thanks for having me on, AY. Um, grew up as an Army brat, so rolling around the country a little bit. Not too bad, though, as far as the moves goes. We certainly didn't have it as bad as some uh, some military kids do, but majority of the time was in uh, Leavenworth, Kansas. And uh, I was going to say, let us out on good behavior, but that's a little corny. But, uh, but got a chance to live Army life for a while, and then uh, college at uh, Oklahoma Baptist for my undergrad, then grad school at Texas Tech, and then uh, Came out to Liberty um, a couple times, second tour of duty out here now at this point, or it or was, I should say. And uh, we've been out in Lynchburg now for,
0: gosh, 15 years, I guess, at some point. So you start calling it home. So uh, growing up, you played college basketball at Oklahoma Baptist. Um, was basketball always your sport or were there some others that uh, piqued your interest?
1: Yeah, I, I was basketball and baseball. Those were my two sports. I think uh, I think I was scared to death to taking hits as a football guy. So uh, not to mention long and lanky, man. That does not translate well on the, on the field. So uh, those were my two sports. And naturally just kind of started gravitating towards hoops and um, had a knack for it. And uh, Leavenworth was about 45 minutes from Lawrence, where KU is, of course. And so, man, basketball haven uh, yeah. right, right there. It's kind of the Kentucky and Indiana uh, equivalent. And uh, we were huge my senior year, sub-state uh, champs, and uh, made it to the state tournament and everything like that, and played for a legendary high school coach, Larry Hogan, uh, who was real good friends with Roy Williams, so all down that track, wow. and then uh, got a chance to um, go to a lot of KU camps when they ran camps back in the day, <laughs> and five-star uh, basketball camp out in Honesdale, PA, and all that good stuff. So just naturally gravitated towards hoops, and um, that's, that's
0: kind of always been one of my passions. Playing basketball in college, Jason, did, did you want to uh, eventually play in college? Was that a goal? And, and from there, uh, you mentioned, uh, we've talked a couple of times about playing for Bob Hoffman, mm-hmm. um, who a lot of college basketball fans uh, will know that name. So playing in college, how that come to be for you?
1: Yeah, it was. Uh, I I think I had, just like a lot of high school kids do. I think I had greater uh, expectations than my skill ability probably really was. But um, went to a couple of uh, like I said, KU camps, and uh, all of a sudden I started getting letters from JUCO, and I was like, oh, well, okay, I see what's going on here. But um, the NAIA tournament for a long time was in Kansas City, and uh, so started going to to that and watching the NI A or NAIA tournament in Kansas City for a while, and. Oklahoma Baptist kept popping up, just had a phenomenal program. That's when Hoffman was there. And uh, so I started looking into it, recruiting back and forth and talking about it a little bit. They were NIA, not D2 like they are now. And um, and got a chance to walk on down there and uh, did that. And first time ever on a Christian college campus, too. And that was just uh, that was really cool. I mean, I, I literally felt like on a college visit down there that the Lord told me that this is where I needed to be. So or that was where I needed to be. Um, and, uh, just an awesome atmosphere, Uh fast four years and played my first two years. And then, uh, I, I kiddingly say that coach started bringing in freshmen that were better than me as a junior. So the handwriting was on the wall headed
0: towards sports medicine. And that's how I finished up. How about the sports medicine route? Uh, when did that peak your interest? How'd that come to be? Yeah, that was uh,
1: kind of another by default, but God's design obviously all over that. Somewhere in my, I think junior or senior year, I, I had a nasty ankle sprain that I had sustained and growing up as an Army brat, the only thing I ever saw was military posts and my dad in fatigues and camo and all that other stuff. And uh, I go into um, the physical therapy clinic who was one of our assistant coaches, he was a PT, and looked around and saw all the toys of a PT clinic and I was like, what is this? And then I realized he actually worked there and I had no idea that that was even a career or a, or a profession. and. Um, that, that kind of um, bent joined well with um, a skill set for me with anatomy, physiology, science, those kind of things, and found out that sports medicine was a thing and uh, gravitated toward
0: athletic training. And uh, Man, what a, what a great career that was. Just really enjoyed that time. Joined by Jason Porter on our Hill City Highlights podcast. Uh, Jason, a local real estate agent uh, here in Lynchburg, and we're uh, diving into his story. So post-college, what was that first move? And uh, what was that like, you know, graduating? Okay, what's next for me? And how did you uh, come to grips with that?
1: Yeah, from, uh, from o- Oklahoma Baptist, I knew that uh, to continue my sports medicine career, I had to kind of go bigger. And uh, so I was looking at, around at a lot of graduate assistant positions. And uh, funny story for another time, but uh, found Texas Tech out right. in Lubbock and uh, bumped into a couple of their athletic trainers. Literally one of them in a bathroom is how that whole thing transpired. <laughs> Nothing crazy, but just wild. And um, got a GA position out there and worked football and track and field uh, fall and spring and so got a chance to live the Big Twelve life and uh, man it was eye opening for sure especially coming from little NAIA school uh, but it gave me a real good flavor of what uh, big time athletic training was all about in sports medicine and uh, huge feather in the cap on the resume too.
0: From there, what was your next post and how did you eventually get here to uh, to Liberty? Uh, first is. is as a trainer, you know, football team, and then obviously help running the athletic sports medicine program. Mm-hmm.
1: From uh, Lubbock, from Texas Tech, I, I got a job at uh, Southwest Baptist University in Bolivar, Missouri, D, another D2 school. And uh, that was another one of those God things you look back because uh, that's where I met my wife. Um, Again, okay. she wasn't a student there, I just want to clarify that. <laughs> she had come back for homecoming, like a five-year homecoming or something like that. And so we met and started talking there um, in Bolivar and uh, eventually we were engaged and because she had gone to school there, she was kind of ready for a change, and, and so I was looking around a little bit as a head athletic trainer, been there for three years, and literally at my father-in-law's house, um, the, um, the Liberty magazine was laying on his table, and it was the Feenster Twins on the cover cutting down nets, and yeah. I thought, what is this all about? So yeah. he starts telling me Dr. Falwell's story. He's a pastor and uh, didn't, didn't know much about Liberty at the time, so I started looking into it, and literally, lo and behold, the head football athletic trainer job uh, at LU was open, and so applied for
0: it uh, with the athletic department, Brian Senate, And uh, yeah. Coach Carter was here at the time. And yeah. there we go. It's joined by Jason Porter with uh, Legacy Realty and Development. He's our guest on our Hill City Highlights podcast. You mentioned your wife, Rachel, uh, who has a background in interior design and staging homes, things like that. Uh, did she originally, uh, was that her passion originally? Or what did she do maybe as y'all were getting your courtship underway, if you will?
1: Yeah, I think that was always the direction of something that she wanted to do. Just a natural bent, you know, for sure. And I think every time she's tried to downplay the business or downplay some of that, she gets a phone call or gets a referral or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And she's just really, really gifted in that area and really opened my eyes to real estate again, back to military life for people who speak that. Uh, We moved where Uncle Sam said we went and uh, the houses were great, but (laughs) certainly not designer quality by any stretch. Um, So I'd never really seen that real estate piece. And so she started opening my eyes to real estate and and the opportunities with investment properties and rentals and those kind of things. And so we kind of brought those two tracks together while we were here and started developing our rental uh, portfolio with real estate. And then um, to your point, she made everything look pretty and uh, still working on me, but we're getting there. And uh, so that's that was kind of part of the real estate niche for me as well
0: joined by Jason Porter here on our Hill City Highlights podcast. All right. For those tuning in here, Jason, you hit a kind of a fork in the road with your career. Okay. Your, your Liberty, uh, Liberty's a growing athletics department and you decide to leave and to jump in the deep end of real estate and doing that take us through those steps. Um, What was God telling you during that moment in time and how scary was that to take that jump? And just, you know, for those fans that stumble across this uh, podcast, you never know if you uh, can help them with some advice on, hey, career path, this is what I did. Here's how I got through it. And lo and behold, it's been successful for you. So take us back to that time when you decided to leave Liberty and get into real estate uh, full-time.
1: Yeah, I think uh, I think on the outside for people who maybe don't speak Jesus, it made no sense, you know. Um, just because, to your point, we were growing and blowing, and all the facilities around here now, um, as you know, Ay had a hand in developing all those, and I was spending more time in planning and construction meetings than I was taping ankles. <laughs> and I thought, all right, Lord, what are we up to here? And and um, there's a there's a phrase I ran across. I think Bill Hybels said it called "holy discontent," and uh, it's a, it's a weird phrase. It feels a little strange sometimes, but there was just kind of this tug where I felt like the Lord was saying pick your head up look around a little bit and as Rachel and I continue to talk about it we had a good opportunity to do some real estate pieces and and um, the self employed thing had always been appealing to me, terrifying but appealing and uh, so I started delving into that a little bit more and I did a ton of research while I was still a w2 employee right. if you will, because it 's uh, it's cold turkey quick uh, when you make that jump. but there was a piece for us, and um, I love in Ephesians when it talks about the piece that passes all understanding because a lot of things didn 't make sense, and people didn 't understand what we were doing necessarily but we did, and we had a peace about it and have and, and have stepped out, and God's blessed, which has been great. But at the same time, I think it's important to leave a place on good terms. Mm-hmm. And here we sit, and uh, the relationships across the board are all still intact, at least as far as I know, unless you tell me otherwise. Um, and so I think that was important, too. But, uh, man, just made it a matter of prayer, and really, until we had peace, to take our hands off the wheel here. Um, we we stayed and and god just kind of released us from that and um you know wanted to make sure too and i think richie mckay said it as well you never want to run from something you want to run to something and i love that quote and that's kind of that's kind of how um how we felt about it
0: what was the first piece of property that you bought uh, whether it be commercial or residential um where is that piece now if that's something you you divulge but i'm just curious as we get into uh, the real estate industry. Uh, what was that piece for you? And uh, where is that piece now if you still have it?
1: Well, I haven't thought about that in forever, but it was when we left Liberty the first time, yeah. uh, moved to St. Louis. I, was, I, I took a job on staff with my father-in-law at First Baptist Church Ferguson in, in kind of a suburb of St. Louis. And we bought a house uh, there, Rachel and I did, first-time home buyers. did the first-time homebuyer credit, the whole thing, and we bought it from uh, some folks. It was crazy. It was a hot mess, to be honest. Um, but it was close to the church, good opportunity for investment, and that's really where I saw Rachel's design spark take over. Yeah. And I kind of started realizing, wow, there, there could be something here. So we were there for a little over two years, uh, sold it, avoided capital gains, <laughs>
0: right. and moved on. So I haven't seen it in well, a while, but it's in <laughs> St. Louis. I guess I should should have prefaced that Jason as a real estate manager your first I guess property that okay this is not where we're going to live but we're going to invest in this we're going to let's be honest call us we're going to make some money off of this what was that piece for you yeah
1: so that's still here. We still own it. Uh, it's, it's, it's a duplex over uh, by Randolph College okay. uh, for those folks that are familiar with that. And we've had that now for about seven and a half years and really cool. Done some neat strategies with that. So I'd love to talk to somebody about that at some point because there's great investment opportunities. The fingers that come off of real estate are just unbelievable with, with what it provides you. So still own that property. Come close a couple of times
0: to sell them, but uh, there's too many benefits to hold them. Joined by Jason Porter with uh, Legacy Realty and Development, you're backed by Legacy. What is Legacy? Um, I, mean, I know what it is, but the fans and listeners may not know um, that company. And why is that? Why is that company been a good fit for you and what you're doing?
1: Yeah, so we are Legacy Realty and Development is our full title, and we're a brokerage here in town. Our office is over in Winhurst. Mm-hmm. And uh, our broker is June Smith, and June is about 95% commercial, and then the rest of us are a little bit of a mix. I'm probably 60-40 residential commercial and um, small firm. You know, We we probably have, I think, about 12 agents in there, Um, but we're all grinders and all the same mindset, which is really cool. But I knew I wanted to do um, some commercial work, and June was a great fit for me. And we're in a market in Lynchburg for people, again, who kind of speak real estate. Um, not a lot of markets can you blend commercial and residential, but in Lynchburg you can. Um, so it's been incredible on the professional growth to just uh, kind of be on her coattails a little bit, learn more about the industry, get more proficient on the commercial side as well as residential. But it's been a natural fit and it's
0: been a lot of fun. When you say blend commercial and residential, what does that mean? So commercial, of course, are properties where businesses are located—strip
1: malls, those kind of things. We do property management uh, for strip malls. We buy and sell commercial properties for lawyers' offices or accountants or whatever. Anything okay. that's business would be com- would be commercial. Right. And then traditional
0: residential, of course, is primary homes for people. So when you say blend, you operate and manage both kind of sets, if you will. Right. Okay. How about when it comes to uh, seasons of the year, Jason? Fall, winter, spring—you know, summer. Um, and I've asked you this before when it comes to real estate do seasons matter or is it just location and where you are managing your business yeah I think we'd have to separate it a little bit again on the commercial
1: versus residential but seasons really do matter I think on the residential side the nutshell is residential still really does tend to translate and focus around the academic calendar year just because that's families and families are usually buying and selling and the commercial side um, moves fairly equally, I would say. But sometimes even this time of year, we're middle of November here right now. Um, sometimes the end of the fiscal year makes a difference for businesses because they're trying to wrap up a tax year. Um, so you've got people that want to buy or sell for tax implications. So that's a whole other monster. And obviously that would blend and translate a little bit into investment real estate as well for people that have investment portfolios.
0: So when you go back your day and your prospect areas, um, How are you doing that? How far out do you reach Bedford, Appomattox, et cetera? Where's the territory for you and your company and prospecting um, businesses and facilities to market to those coming in or those leaving town? How do you go about doing that? Yeah, that's a great question. It's some of
1: that is a secret sauce, I guess. Um, but at the same time, there's a a lot of it for me has always just been relationship. I've just, I've, I've dealt with people, um, that I know and that I love and that I trust. And, um, and then it becomes a referral network, and that's man, that means the world. You know, you get a phone call from somebody that says, "Hey, we've never met, but you know, so and so recommended you," and that just uh, that's the cherry on top, to be honest with you. So, but we we serve uh, all of Forest and all of Lynchburg. Uh, do do some work in Appomattox across the river, if you will, uh, <laughs> Rustburg as well. So, um, but I would say, just as a as an interesting sidebar on that, Alan, I would say I think sometimes um, some professionals just market wide can get into overpromising and underdelivering, and so I will tell people quickly. If, if they're looking at a market that I'm not familiar with, because that's a disservice to them, you know, I don't want to go up and do something in Northern Virginia in the market that I have no idea about, or way out in you know, past Blacksburg or something along those lines. So I try to stick to what I know best.
0: Jason, when it comes to a property, commercial or residential, how do you stake your claim on it, or is it okay? This person owns this property; they're wanting to sell, or they're wanting to buy. Obviously, they pick and choose their real estate agent. Is that typically how it works? Or do you hear, okay, I I think this person might be selling. Well, let me call them just to get ahead of everything. Or is it all the above?
1: Yeah, it definitely is all the above because you get leads on a million different things. But a lot of it is just through casual conversation. You know, that's uh, that's the, the cold calls, if you will, and the networking kind of things. But again, back to that relationship piece. If it's not Alan York that's selling something, Alan York may know somebody who is. And so you just try to trace those down a little bit and then uh, just... <laughs> ridiculous record keeping of realizing, okay, they're not interested now, but they told me to call back in July. So you got to put that in the, in the database and just sort of stay on top of those leads. So, and I, I haven't taken all the sales stuff. Again, we talked about sports medicine and stuff. So I haven't taken all the, all the marketing classes and those kind of things, maybe. Um, But uh, I really just try to stay on top of leads and do things relational and have those relational transactions to represent folks.
0: Joined by Jason Porter with Legacy Realty and Development on our Hill City Highlights podcast. JP, you and I have worked since your time here at Liberty. We're doing some radio stuff at Liberty now with the football team and basketball team. You've shared with me recently about other ways that real estate agents are uh, looking at different properties, not just houses or businesses, but now churches. That's one part that I wouldn't think about would be sold or bought. So when, when did churches and um, I guess religious types of facilities start to uh, enter your world or has it always been the case? And I just haven't really heard about it.
1: Well, again, I think it's one of those blends. It's been a really sweet mix to be honest. And it's, it's been exciting to me because back to even having been on the pastoral staff side of things, I've had a foot in that world, so I know how church life works. and obviously a church member, but I'm a teaching pastor at our church now. Um, And then you blend that commercial real estate piece in, and all of a sudden as I'm talking to pastors and doing different things, I find out, hey, we've outgrown our space, or we need to re-sign our lease. And in their defense, and it's completely valid, they're running congregations, they're running churches, they don't have time to do the real estate piece. And so it's been a great bridge for me to step in and be able to do something like that. I've got, uh, I've got a, um, a church on the market right now that's just blowing at, the, uh, blowing at the seams and needs a new location. So we've been able to list that church for them and get them marketed and allow them to still run the church and do what they do. But, um, man, talk about a heavenly kingdom and a heavenly calling. It's been yeah. a lot of fun. And uh, being able to blend and bring that, that aspect and, and uh, expertise
0: in real estate to the church life has been really cool. couple more thoughts here with Jason Porter with Legacy Realty and Development on our Hill City Highlights podcast. All right, the market right now, mid-November 2023, Lynchburg and surrounding area. Give us uh, your pitch on the market, where it is, uh, what are some of the hurdles that real estate agents in the market now are facing, and uh, some of the positives uh, that uh, you guys are um, experiencing right now.
1: Yeah, I think uh, let's go negative first, shall we? <laughs> um, I think what everybody knows, obviously, is interest rates. That's, that's the, the ultimate thing that we all have to deal with. And we're not insulated from that by any stretch. And so rates right now, you know, run around 7.5 residentially. And that's a whiplash effect from folks that were closing at three percent just a couple of years ago. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So that's that's been the biggest change because that changes math significantly with what folks are able to buy. Okay. Um, so that's probably the biggest hurdle that we're running into. And then, the, and then the second one, kind of the perfect storm, is just inventory. Um, the housing market, inventory-wise, is just still really low. Um, but we're starting to see a little bit of a pause, and this is a naturally slower time anyway. But right. you have those two significant extrinsic factors with mortgage rates and then low inventory, <laughs> and it really pauses things a little bit. And Everyone's kind of just circling right now trying to figure out what's coming next. Um, commercial's been a little bit the same because commercial rates are, are higher naturally. They, they follow the same kind of progression. Um, but I think the biggest part of it right now, uh, just with this time of year, is for folks, folks to be patient if they can be. You know, I've, I've, I've had a couple of residential sales here recently where people said, We just love the house and we're going to come back around in a couple of years and refinance, you know, and just maybe get a lower rate if that's possible. So I stay out of the lending side. I'll allow the mortgage lenders to do all that kind of thing and crystal ball that. It's tough. Um, but that's, that's probably the biggest part that I would say right now is just to be patient if you can. Not everybody can be. Sometimes you have to buy or you have to sell. But if you can be patient with it, uh, I I think we'll start to see some correction somehow.
0: You mentioned low inventory, Jason, uh, but with the highest interest rates. Would it be a myth that the Sellers have an advantage now, but at the same time, with interest rates high, maybe they don't. Am I right on that?
1: Yeah, there, there's always a swing between buyer's market, seller's market, and it has everything to do with supply and demand. Is econ yeah. one hundred and one from that perspective? So, one one party usually has the upper hand, but uh, just a small example. Of this, uh, you know, two two years ago when we had multiple offers, five, ten offers on one property. You weren't even thinking about asking for the seller to help you with closing costs. Well, now we've kind of swung back around again, and mm-hmm. somebody needs to sell. All of a sudden, will say, "Yeah, you know, I'll I'll contribute five thousand dollars or whatever to closing costs." So that's one of those things that you've got to continue to pulse the market for and see uh, what's allowable and sustainable right now. So that buyer-seller trend is always a pendulum, always swinging, just depending on inventory.
0: Anything else you want to mention that maybe I haven't asked about real estate right now? We, we've talked about the seasons. We've talked about um, you know, interest rates. So what else comes to mind for those that are either thinking about buying or selling in this area, Jason?
1: Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing. It seems like in Lynchburg, it's one of those uh, one of those things where you can you know you can hit a hit a realtor every three feet or something like that, and that, and that's probably true. So that was something I considered jumping into the market, but I, I think the bigger thing is. Um, Just as I talked about the relationship side of things, I I think as a buyer or a seller, as a client, you really want to do your due diligence in in interviewing kind of that team. And really, as I thought about it, too, people may have not thought about this, but the realtor is kind of the tip of the spear. And what I mean by that is we come ready to provide you with um, multiple lenders multiple home inspectors, multiple um, closing and title companies. And so from that perspective, once you sort of jump in and you decide on who you're going with, you know, we're going to continue to give you our Rolodex, so to speak. So I think that interview process is really important. And it's an it's a expensive decision, you know. When you're buying or selling, you're you're uh, you're taking your biggest asset and turning it over. So I think you want to do your due diligence. Um, I'd always love to be part of that mix and in interviewing uh, for folks, but um, but at the same time, just again, take your time with it and uh, make sure you feel comfortable and confident with who you're going with.
0: What would be a pet peeve of yours, Jason? Uh, good or bad? Um, and pet peeve usually is a negative connotation, but prospective clients come to you, uh, what what do you want that due diligence? What do you want them to already have for you that some just don't? And it's like, oh man, <laughs> in, in a good way, what, yeah. what, is, what, what would be a pet peeve of a real estate agent that, okay, and they're calling me, but man, I, if they have this piece yet, it's going to get us off to a good start. How can you educate them on that?
1: Yeah, great question. I think two things that are critical. I think number one is um, you've got to have a a framework that is um, uh, realistic. Yeah. You know whether you're again whether you're buying or selling. Um, HGTV has ruined everybody. <laughs> There's no doubt. So I think that realistic framework—it's—it's realistic pricing for what I can get or for for what I can buy. So I think that's the first part of it. And then the second part, at the risk of sounding callous, at some point it's got to turn into a math transaction. You know, it's got to be a numbers thing. I understand that you've got 35 years of memories in the house, or that you're, you know, doing this and going the other direction. But there's a numbers piece to this that just is what it is. Um, And so the realistic side of things is really a tough pill for some people to swallow. And that's a difficult conversation to broach sometimes. But at the same time, if you can be realistic about what you're you know, going to get out of the property or something along those lines or what your budget is just in general, I think that's one of the eye-opening experiences. I don't ever get in there and start writing down the the bedrooms and baths and acres and all those things. At the end of the day, your money is going to buy you what it's going to buy you. But there's a location play to that, obviously, too. It, it, It buys more as you go further out from different parts of town. So location, 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 as they say.
0: Wrapping things up with Jason Porter, Legacy Realty and Development. All right, Jason, opportunity now to uh, talk about your two kids, uh, your wife, Rachel, who obviously um, is dear to you. But uh, what are your kids into now? Uh, Tell the listeners out there kind of their ages and kind of what they're into right now.
1: Yeah, we've got a, say, uh, I almost said 16, 17-year-old daughter now. Um, So we're uh, nearing graduation, and uh, she's she's in a lot of sports as well. She's a volleyball player, and so we're – chasing her around through the car keys a couple of, uh, about a year and a half ago. So, wow, shout-out to all the parents that are dealing with that. that your, your time's coming, brother. Um, and, then, uh, and then our son, uh, CJ, is 9 years old, and, man, if there's a ball, he's in it. And yeah. he is all things athletics and all things sports. And so um, it, it's, it, it's been fun watching him progress and watching both of them and just kind of their events. They couldn't be more different, uh, typical boy and girl, I guess, from that perspective. But uh, a lot of fun just being, uh, being, being parents to those guys and, and uh, chasing them around.
0: And you're also in the media field as well. Uh, Your day job obviously is real estate, but uh, you're dabbling with uh, Liberty, doing some broadcasting with them, helping Liberty athletes with the uh, NIL initiatives and things like that with the CRED. Why is that important to you And kind of giving back, uh, I say youth, that are college kids, but they're still kids in general, and to the broadcasting thing? What have you enjoyed about that so far? Not to angle it, because I do the same thing as you, but uh, just... From your perspective, your seat, uh, your dad at one point was doing some things like that uh, way back in the day, uh, but uh, lo and behold, it's kind of come full circle for you from that perspective.
1: Yeah, no doubt. Um, again, full pendulum swing of being fully immersed in college athletics for 21 years to cold turkey, stepping out, and uh, man, you hear everyone say, what do you miss the most? Oh, it's a locker room, whether you played or not. You just miss that that camaraderie and being around athletics if that's part of who you are, and it's, and it's part of who I am, it's part of who Rachel is, honestly, too, so... The, the the initial step a couple of years ago to join Sea Red and, and get them off the ground with the collective and stuff has been really cool and get to have some of those relationships with some of the student athletes. And then now to uh, field the call from you over the summer to jump in the broadcast booth has been a blast and, and road trips and, and just those kind of things that we've talked offline about. But I think the bigger part of what's special to me is, is kind of twofold. Number one, it's Liberty. Yeah. Uh, believing in the mission of what's going on here in the Champions for Christ and, and just how with excellence things are being done. But then number two, A.Y., is just being around college students and college athletes again. You know, that's always been a calling on our life. We did college ministry for a long time, still do it at our church. And so we resonate with that 18 to 22-year-old um, group. And uh, our catchphrase is, you make the smartest and stupidest decisions of your life. And um, so it's a blast to be um, back around some of those and just understand the, the mindset of the college athlete and how they tick. So being able to um, even talk into, into them about the professional world and what that looks like in business and trying to prepare them for what's next too has been a, it's been a really cool uh, aspect as well.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Hill City Highlights Podcast. Have an idea for future shows? Email our team at hillcitypod at gmail.com. And join us each week for another episode of the Hill City Highlights Podcast.